Wow. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I don't know who this is. There we go. Lenny Kravitz, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Off Mama Said from 1991. It's funny, I didn't recognize it. I know the song was part of our radio career, but we played that one a few hundred times, I'm sure. Um, uh, it reminds me of another band I'll play for you off the air. I'm at a local band I grew up with in Baltimore. It has a song very, very similar that came out 10, 15 years earlier. I never recognized the similarity of the riffs before tonight, but thanks for sharing that. It's Matt Butler on the musical end of this whole thing, and I appreciate you doing it every day. I'm Spike O'Neill. Mentioned that the uh, happiest, one of the happiest cities in America, the third happiest, to be clear, I'm not trying to withhold the, the end uh, you know, the punchline of the joke here. Third happiest city in America is right across the water in Bellevue, Washington. So for all the misery that Seattle's going through, for all the, all the problems that we've had, all the uh, problems we're trying to fix, right across the water, third happiest city in America. This is from, uh, it's on thehill.com, and a group called Smart Asset was trying to find the happiest places in America. They analyzed the 200 largest cities in America the 200 largest cities in America, 164 of them, which had the necessary criteria to make this study. Now, they had 13 points, different metrics that they looked at across three categories to determine what makes people happy, thus what makes the city with the happiest people and the happiest cities in America. So the three categories are personal finance, obviously, well-being, and quality of life. We've talked about this kind of stuff before. What makes a city worth living in? What kind of quality of life do you have? What's your personal well-being? How safe are you? How's, how's your access to doctors? Those kind of things. And, of course, personal finance. And I can give you some of the more dug into the different categories, personal finance, well-being, and quality life, how they figured out what that, how do you measure that. We have all that as well. I can tell you exactly what happened and exactly who ranked in the top 10. Top 10 happiest cities in America are dominated by California. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, I'm sorry, six. Six of the happiest cities in America, top ten, are in California. The happiest city in America is Sunnyvale, California. Sunnyvale, California. It's happiest because well-being and quality of life is where Sunnyvale, California ranks best. The city has the highest percentage of individuals earning over $100,000 a year or more. 62% of Sunnyvale. Well, with a name like Sunnyvale, how could it not be? How could it not be, right? What a fun name. It's got the third lowest percentage of adults living below the poverty level at 5% of those folks who live in Sunnydale do live below the poverty level. Those are the folks that are waiting on the nice people of Sunnydale or Sunnyvale. That's usually how this works. And most often cities that are happiest have high marriage rates. The more people married than not, happier cities have happier couples. Happier couples can afford to live in happy cities. It's tough for single folks to live in happy cities. It's tough for single folks to live in any city. Usually it's happy married couples with two incomes that can meet these metrics to make the city the happiest city in America. Anyway, Sunnyvale, California, Arlington, Virginia, then Bellevue. Arlington, Virginia. Not in California. The other side of the country, outside of D.C. Arlington's a suburb of D.C. As you can imagine, the income level's pretty high. Almost half, 48% make over 100K a year. Cost of living makes up less than 35% of the median household income in Arlington, Virginia. That's good. Living costs are down. Rent's affordable, apparently. Groceries are affordable. 
in Arlington, Virginia. Bellevue is next on the list, number three in the country. Bellevue, Washington scores highest in the quality of life category of any of these cities. Or of, of the three categories for Bellevue, quality of life was the highest score it got was in quality of life. But also does well with resident personal finances, specifically 61% of Bellevue residents make over 100K. That's not surprising, right? It's always been the more affluent community as opposed to Seattle, which has a much more diverse economic population, a lot more neighborhoods, a lot more folks in the service industry doing the lower end of the jobs than Bellevue would have per se. So that's number two. And less than 8% of the population lives below the poverty line in Bellevue. Additionally, cost of living as percent of income is the lowest. Cost of living as percentage of income in Bellevue is the lowest in the study of all these 164 cities. Only 28.6% of your total income eats up your cost of living. It's in Bellevue, Washington, best in the entire country. Good on you. California's a four, a a Fremont. And then these surprise me, Matt. I never would have guessed this in a million years. I don't know about these towns, so it shows you I've got a lot to learn. But Frisco, Texas at number five and Plano, Texas at number six. And they they both took, uh, but Frisco took the number one spots for the marriage rate in America. 62% of people in Frisco, California are married. And the percentage of residents living below the poverty line at only 2.5. So there's your low cost living in Frisco, Texas. Only 2% of their population is at the poverty level or below. City ranks number two in typical living costs compared to the median household income, and only 29% of their income goes toward household living costs. And violent crime rate, roughly 86 crimes per 100,000 residents. That's in Texas. Okay, that tells me a couple of great things. And Plano's probably got the exact same type stats. A safe population because everybody's armed and low cost of living. So that makes for happy people. Right? You don't have to be on a coast. You don't have to be an elite. You don't have to have a, a, a six-figure income where the first number isn't even one, like to live in Seattle and be happy. You really do have to be a high-tech guy. It's got a big-time job or a married couple bringing in a quarter between you to get that kind of living and that kind of quality of life and all the things that matter when you're in a city like Seattle. Then you get to California, Rossville, California, San Jose, California, Santa Clara, California, and Irving, California. Round out the top ten. So it's a lot of California towns. Obviously. It's interesting that people perceive California as being such an awful place, and yet the people that stay there seem hey. pretty happy. Six of the top you're six of the top ten happiest cities in America are in California. You're right. It's a living hell on earth for you folks that are very much the other point of view. And and I understand California's got a lot of detriments. They got a lot of things they deal with on a daily basis, but, but some their happy governor spots. has great hair. Great hair. He's probably got the best hair in the campaign. If I voted on the hair alone, which I learned in the past not to do anymore, if I voted on the hair alone, it might have to be Gavin Newsom. It might have to be. And the fact that Kimberly Giffle is no longer his wife, see, I think that's a plus. I think seeing it's, that, tr- it's sort of like seeing Kim Kardashian leave. Yay! <sighs> I, I, yeah, I thought higher of Ye, of Yay. I thought more of him because of that relationship ending. I always thought, like I said earlier, with uh. Travis Barker, that, that family's dangerous. Be careful, guys who date into that world. I fear for your safety. Which brings us to our next topic, Matt. Perfect segue. If you think that the smartest person in the room ain't exactly the, or the, the highest paid, I, I back that around. But it's still true both ways, by the way. If the highest paid guy in the room is probably not the smartest guy in the room, you're not wrong in thinking that. There's studies that prove it. The highest paid guy in the room is not the smartest, and the smartest guy in the room is not the highest paid. In fact, a study that was done in Sweden, Stockholm, Sweden, where they interviewed uh, literally uh, thousands 
of people about what they earned and did uh, the, the levels of education that they brought to the table and what they found that you do need a certain level of intellect or education to earn the base income, which is in Sweden, 57K our money, 600,000 Swedish krona. So there's a certain level of education and intellect you need to get to that level. But after that, when you start making bigger money than 57K, when it starts getting into the six-figure money and the seven-figure money, intelligence has very little to do with your ability to be successful. It's much more on who you know, what the last name you were born with is, and luck, more so than smart. And doesn't that make a lot of sense, though? Can't we all say that we've seen people who've got very lucky? Or and and this, I think this excludes talent. When I talk about those kind of people who make art, people who can do things that are so unique in their artistic creativity, whether it be painting or music or whatever, even athletes too. Those let's take those people off the table. Those are God-given gifts of talent and physical skill. Let's take just the average Joe who's got nothing to work with but his brain and his back, right? When you get to those kind of people, being smarter doesn't make a difference. Guys like you and me, guys who never were born with, you know, world-class speed or the ability to hit the right note and write, or write the right song. But the regular, regular Joes, it's who you know. It's what your last name is. I see this is from the Duh Institute of We've Known This All Our Lives. I would point to... Uh, a couple examples to prove to you that the richest guy in the room ain't the smartest guy in the room. I'd point to Hunter Biden. I'd point to either Don Jr. or Eric. Your pick. These guys are rich because of their last names. So. It's this weird thing, though, where we in the Western world have started to equate morality with success or superiority, quote unquote, with success. We have this assumption. We look at a rich person. We look at Elon Musk and say, okay, he must be brilliant because he's rich. It doesn't always take brilliance. It doesn't mm. even take understanding the thing that makes you rich. What it does take is the connections, the so, kickstart yeah. in yeah, some cases, yeah, like yeah. his father was pretty well off. In South Africa. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it takes these things. Then when you buy a company or, you know, push out people mm -hmm. from a company, you have yeah. a certain scale where as you get rich at a certain level, you just keep getting richer. In fact, you have to be – you would almost have to be very, very stupid or self-indulgent to not continue to, <laughs> to be get insanely rich. rich. It's not so much that it takes smarts to get richer past a certain point. Now, there yeah. are some people who buy their raw smarts get rich, but we have this weird assumption where, again, it's almost like a morality thing. So-and-so is rich, therefore they must be smarter, more qualified, they should yeah. be in government, blah, yeah. blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean <laughs> anything other than A, you're either skilled or lucky, and usually it's not one or the other. It's a combination yeah, of yeah, both. Here, here. You pulled the right card out of the deck in life. You were Some of you were born on third base thinking you hit that triple. <laughs> that's, that's it. But that's it ain't classic. that way in all cases. Not at all. It's, in many cases, the rich people are simply the ones who were given the longest runway in life to take off, and that's why they're sore. That's an excellent analogy. The longest runway is a great way to lay it out for people. True. I mean, Elon Musk, for all his brilliance of buying this company at the right time or starting that service at the right time, he was given a fat wad of starter money from the old man. Same can be said for Donald Trump, inherited a lot of money. 
He was already born on third base. And I got nothing against those guys. It's not, right. Like it's, 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 it's harder to fail when your dad gives you a million bucks Seriously. to start you out in life. That's not what this is about. This is about the rest of us not feeling bad that it's not us. That's what it's about. And it's not even about hard work in all cases. No, some not of the often. hardest working people I know are the most impoverished. And yeah, some of oh. the wealthiest yeah. are some of the most self-indulgent party animals that you could ever meet. Absolutely. They're get, getting high out in Vegas every weekend in the VIP suite. Well, they're the folks, they're the folks that are in, uh, successful in spite of themselves. You know, and that's that's got... There's so many true examples of that, Matt. So many true examples. You couldn't be writer. I think Elon Musk, though, it's funny. He was born with a ton, but he did a ton with it. He he wasn't born the son of the richest man in the world. He was just born to somebody with a nice block of starter cap. Right. But as we can see, that's not a universal form no, no, of no, savvy no, no, no. that applies well. <laughs> because he ends up with something like Twitter. The dog, the puppy has well, caught the car. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't quite know what to do with it other than... Damn it, people aren't seeing my tweets enough. I own yeah. this thing. Boost it up. Well, and that's like, uh, I read that Jeff Bezos has, had a, has an investigative committee put together on the viability of buying the Washington Commanders. And, and who didn't see that coming? The richest guy in the world, or one of the richest guys in the world, wants to become an NFL owner. That select little group of swell guys, a closed group. You know, you have to buy your way in, and not everybody even has the right to do that. But that's going to be a losing proposition for a lot of guys. They buy NFL franchises, and it's not how they get rich. It's a toy for the super rich. Yeah, I, I hope Jeff Bezos does enter the, the arena of pro sport. You know, it'd be nice to have a guy with unlimited resources to build your stadium. I mean, look, we got ourselves in uh, the Climate Pledge Arena. It's world class. You know, having that guy build for you as your new owner, nothing wrong with that. Those are good days. I, I currently Jody Allen is the owner after Paul Allen passed, of course, of the Seahawks. There's been stories that she might sell the team at some point in the future. You never know. If Bezos is looking at buying in the NFL, why is he looking to buy, you know, I do the investigative committee about the Washington commanders and maybe he wants to be close to the capital of power. I guess, well, you know what? i tell you something. That's a smart move. If you're a guy like Jeff Bezos who needs political connections to help your business opportunities move forward. You don't want to be the owner of a team out in the Northwest and Lewis and Clark country. Can we just put like a, a freeze, <laughs> a freeze on Bezos? Can we say, Jeff, you can't own anything until you help the no. your city fix their housing problem. No, we can't. We then tried. Maybe we you tried can doing go that. Into the pros. We, we can't do that. No, we can't. I appreciate your asking. It's a great ah. thought. We tried. Remember, we were going to head tax him and he said, I'll leave. Well, but Jeff Bezos doesn't want to be owner out here. He wants to be owner where he can give congressmen VIP suite seats. For his football team. That's what he wants. Campaign finance reform (laughs) yesterday for crying out loud. Dude, I I, I hear you. Money in politics is the absolute worst. It's done none of us any good. I'm with you. God, we talk about the train disaster in Ohio. You know why that happened? Because of campaign finance. Because lobbyists can buy politicians, get any kind of laws and rules and regulations they want lifted or dropped on. It's money. Money, money in politics is everything. Spoiler alert. There is class warfare and the rich are winning. Woo! We have the third happiest city in America right across the lake, man. We can we got nothing to bitch about here. We're doing just fine. So I, I'm dying to talk about I'm dying to talk about the the guy who was put out on bail. But I don't know if I should even bring it up. Lisa, I, Lisa told me it's not even worth bringing up. But uh, God, I want to talk about that story. The bikini barista guy is out on bail. The guy who's tried to snatch bikini barista. That one really gets me. It irks me bad. But there's other stuff to talk about too. How about hard Mountain Dew? How about Mountain Dew wasn't dangerous enough? Let's throw some liquor in it. I'm in. (laughs) 
Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill with Matt Butler. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Cairo Nights, Matt. This is the song when you played My Mama Said by Lenny Kravitz. This is the song that I thought you were playing. Is there, there's some similarities here. My Mama Said! Right? It's a band from Baltimore called Crack the Sky that never made it. These guys had some success, but never national. This is from 1980. They were Baltimore club bar, a club band in the mid '70s, and had a little record deal on Life Song Records. Crack the sky. Welcome to my history. This is actually a good song for you can, for this next story because you know sugary drinks, energy drinks, just raw bottles of sugar are are dangerous for us. I mean, we we all get to pick our poisons. I get it. You know, we all have bad, unhealthy hobbies, whether it's smoking or drinking alcohol or sugary drinks, whether it's fast food, maybe your hobby that's bad for your health is gaming, you know, four, six hours a day when on top of your job where you just sit in front of a screen all day. That's bad for your health. It's fun. It's no worse for you than Mountain Dew. I don't mean to pick up Mountain Dew specifically, but drinks like Mountain Dew, man, that's, you can only do that to your body for a certain portion of your life. That's what I've come to realize. Those kind of things at, at, at me, at my age, I wouldn't last a, a case of Mountain Dew. You could measure the rest of my life by liquid volume, ounce volume of Mountain Dews. I wouldn't last one case of Mountain Dews if I tried to drink Mountain Dews. That stuff would put me under fast. And now, <clears throat> as if Mountain Dew wasn't enough, hard Mountain Dew. That's right, folks. Hard Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew with alcohol. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, 10% alcohol. And Mountain Dew. Hard Mountain Dew. 10%? That's what they're saying. It's like it's the Ooh. same uh, alcoholic equivalent to a White Claw. Okay, so it's not like it's no alcohol. It's not, we're not talking about, you know, doing mixed drinks. You know, like nowadays there are hard ciders, there are hard lemonades, there are all these kind of, you know, drinkish alcoholic drinks we can get these days. And that's about the same as a beer, right? Isn't a beer about you know four, six, seven, eight percent alcohol a good strong beer? Yeah, so right? ten would be that's that's impressive. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty big. But then again, it is liquid drinkable rocket fuel. But here's my question: Every time they come up with these gimmicky beverages, uh-huh. is is it going to taste like actual Mountain Dew? If it really tasted like Mountain Dew and was a smooth um, drink, then um, yeah. But sometimes these things just tend to be weird, malty versions of, a, of no, certain I, I things. And they don't, they don't turn out well. So I hope this formulation, especially with that percentage of alcohol, I hope they can actually dial that in. Are you doing the do? Do you do the do? I do. You do the do. Um, so I, See, because I wouldn't know what Mountain Dew tastes like. I really wouldn't. And I, I can, I can, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to know that it's chock full of artificial flavors and a lot of Zingo. And you're, you know, it's, it's a high energy, high octane drink. It's the whole Mountain Dew lifestyle 
is a high energy, high octane lifestyle. Which makes it oxymoronic that I drink it because nothing about me. <laughs> it, it, it's mainly to keep me from falling over okay. on the console. It's Fair enough. It's not very energetic in my case. So you don't do it for the snowmobile competitions. I just do nothing it to counter narcolepsy. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, you're using horizontal hold for your firm grip on gothism and and, <laughs> and dark rock. Uh, that's cool. Hey, man, that's cool. If it gets you back to, to neutral. That's the one thing about putting alcohol in it, by the way. When you've got such an up liquid like Mountain Dew that's chock full of energy and sunshine and smiles of unicorns and pure sugar, and then you throw some booze on top of it, it does kind of melt. It, it's horizontal hold, right? It's almost like having a governor on the sugar and, and the and the energy level of it by having alcohol in it. It's sort of the alcohol version of a speedball. Yeah, in a can. Yeah, exactly. It's the legal version of up and down. Yeah. She's just called the thing sideways. Remember that whole thing? And two, this is less prevalent in America because, you know, most of our alcopops, as they would call them Ah, in the UK, are uh, malt beverages. Now, in the UK and Australia, when I spent some time over there, those are mostly based with real vodka. So they pack a, yeah. a pretty nice punch, and a yeah. lot of the there was a lot of controversy over selling those things or marketing them or taxing them at a higher rate because they felt that it encouraged young people to binge drink. Mm, that's a fair. That's a fair concern to bring to the table. Absolutely, the story that I'm reading about the hard do is in the Seattle Times, and it quotes health experts that worry about it. That worry about bringing this much of an energy drink, a, a sugary drinky lifestyle into the life of these people that drink these drinks and then throwing liquor in on top of it. The fact that it does have you going in two directions at one time, your motor's just kind of just revving over, but you're, you're, you're not diminished by alcohol. It's not the word I'm looking for. Your whole body's chemistry is kind of knocked out. It's muffled. It's governed by the alcohol. So you're kind of vibrating at a higher rate and your body's aging faster, I assume. I'm no medical expert. So supposedly this is now available in Florida, Tennessee, Iowa, (laughs) Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, Minnesota, Virginia, Ohio, Illinois, and the great city of Las Vegas. Well, I can't imagine Las Vegas without this. (laughs) Can you? Well, yeah, I'm not trying to stereotype, but it is interesting. Where it's being rolled out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of those states, I'm happy to have them be a test market for what this does to the next generation of Americans. And if it's safe for them, if it doesn't make them any more dangerous or weird or strange, then sure, wheel it up here. Hey, you think this is going to hit hard? Try that bath salt margarita. Mm, No, you got to. Yeah, it's where you dip the uh, edge of the glass in bath salt. That's so dangerous, but so fun. Oh, Yeah, it, it, we are. It's fun. I, I worried about this when I read the story earlier today because when when the marijuana industry started making edibles, right? They made it, re- and a lot of them are chocolate based or gummy based, and you know, a lot of folks were worried that they shouldn't and couldn't be allowed to market them in the form of popular children's candies. No edible marijuana product can be made to look like anything remotely like a candy bar that a kid might see for keeping it out of the kid's hands. I wonder how Mountain Dew is going to have, what issues they're going to have with underage drinking because it's so similar to just Mountain Dew. It's Mountain Dew. Well, the cans look different, but they also look really cool, which is going to be a problem. Well, they they have the word hard (laughs) written larger than the word Mountain Dew. You're right. They look a little different. They look like uh, 
And, and pretty, pretty cool tats, actually. Yeah, they do look. That's a that's a killer tat. All of them are, and they're really good looking cans. They are marketing whizzes. You know, Mountain Dew used to be a little tiny cola uh, drink. I think it was made like Tennessee is where it originated, and then Pepsi bought them and tried and changed the brand, marketed to created the whole Mountain Dew way of life, the frame of mind, the sports sponsorships. Now, here's the thing that worries me about this. Well, All of these, we, we've only got a few minutes left. There's a lot that worries. Everybody. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I'm noticing on these cans, these say zero sugar. Yes. That disturbs me because I'm Why? concerned about the flavor and I'm really skeptical. Okay, but, <laughs> like the sugar and the caffeine are part of what makes Mountain Dew Mountain Dew. If you take the sugar out and replace it with alcohol, ah, well, I'm Matt, a hold worried. on. It's time for Mr. Science. Hold on. Mr. Science class is in session. What's alcohol turned into, Matt? What's it made from? Depends on what you're making well, it no, from. It's made from sugar. Alcohol is sugar-based. Your body turns alcohol into sugar. When folks quit drinking, they crave sugar. So lot- maybe it doesn't need additional exactly. sugar because they, it's already doing the lifting. We've there. replaced the sugar with alcohol. Okay. Okay, but it's still, there are still, I'm sure, while there may not be sugar in these, and I saw that too, it's only 100 calories. Are there, you sure it's it's, it's 10% because the cans say 5? Okay, oh, oh, okay, 5%, my apologies. But I was wondering, did they did they, did they come up with a harder Mountain Dew Harder, harder than Mountain Dew. No. Okay, it's 5%, thank you, I misspoke. I misread the story today, my apologies. Um, yeah, it's going to be appealing to a younger crowd. The word hard is written bigger than the word Mountain Dew on the label, so they are being careful. It'll be sold in alcoholic capacities where, I mean, kids can't buy other alcohols. They won't be able to buy this. But it is a, it's a brand popular with the youth. And maybe not even underage. Maybe I'm not even, maybe I'm missing the whole Dew generation. Maybe it's not 15-year-olds. Maybe it is 25 to 30-year-olds who can afford snowmobiles and mountain bikes and all the other things that you, you know, motorbikes and all the things when you do the do and live that lifestyle. I wish I still had a do the do kind of body. I don't. I my did the did. I did. I'm done doing the did. I'm old. I'm having iced coffee now. I'm that guy. You go, kids. Have your hard Mountain Dew. Live like you want to live. Play just play safe. Wear a helmet. <laughs> make a make a will. Okay. Don't leave it on your next to kid. Don't leave that burden of your affairs on the next kid. Make a will first before you do the hard do. It's Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill with Matt Butler. We'll be right back after these. I can't get behind that. I can't get behind that. Everybody knows everything about all of us. That's too much knowledge. I can't get behind that. Is this Henry Rollins? And what about student drivers using my streets to learn? If you learn to play the drums, you got to go to a studio, go to a parking lot, for God's sakes. Why are you jeopardizing my life? I can't get behind a student driver. I can't get behind a driver. I'm so mad. We're back, right? This isn't a commercial for a driving school. (laughs) Is it Rollins? That is uh, Henry Rollins, yes. along with William Shatner. Oh, my God, this is phenomenal. They did called I Can't Get Behind That, where they rant about everything that ticks them off. It's, it's one of my favorites. Where's this certain- been all my life? You know, it's funny. I thought, <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping you play this because earlier I confessed the fact that guys that are fully tattooed scare me a little bit. They yeah. kind of freak me out a little bit. And I mentioned Adam Levine and, and the uh, the scam he got taken advantage of. I ma- imagined uh, I mentioned Travis Barker and I mentioned Henry Rollins. And I and the texter pointed out that 
I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying I don't like Henry Rollins' music. I'm not familiar with it because the guy kind of scares me a little bit. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you know, the, the Chili Peppers kind of fleeted the same thing to me. He didn't even sing, you know. I'm just saying. I'm not comfortable here. Oh, that was awesome. I can't get behind that. Yeah. It's oh. from a Shatner's album, Has Been, that came out oh. in 04. The uh, one where he uh, also collabed with Joe Jackson on a version of Common People. Yeah. Feel, and, feel uh, free to drop that on us yeah. at any time, my friend. That is a brilliant rant. Oh. And William Shatner, by the way, it's a national treasure. Can we all just agree on that? Sure, I don't want him driving me anywhere in town, and he probably doesn't get to even pick what's on TV when we get home tonight, but he's a great guy and a national treasure, and he's done so much. I can proudly say I am of the Shatner generation, man. He was cutting edge in my life. Then he was super cool, TJ Hooker sliding across the hood of a car in a cop show. Then he was a lawyer. He's, he's literally, his characters have moved through the cycles of life, and now he's almost... You know, almost a a, a, shadow, a, a a parody of him of himself. I think is a fair way to put it. But still, oh, did I say I didn't say Avril Lavigne was a guy? Did I? What, where did that guy come? The textures on the show are, have been very good tonight, but some people worry me just a little bit, Matt. Hmm. Uh, you know, this texter wrote Avril Lavigne's a guy. I didn't say. It. Uh, did they say that in the song? Did I miss that lyric? Anyway, that's a. Let's not let textures take over the show. Spike, come on, you know better. You know better, my friend. Although you guys have had some fantastic input already tonight. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And, you know, a texter asked if I could talk about Ukraine tonight because it's the one-year anniversary tomorrow of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and America's involvement in a proxy war with Russia and all the things that are therein. And we're not going to have time to get into that tonight. We probably could make time, but I I don't want to do that at night. We'll deal with that tomorrow when I have the full weight of the Cairo newsroom behind us. And, you know, Jack Stein and I will be on tomorrow from 12 to 3. And I know Jack wants to talk about the Ukrainian war because it is the one-year anniversary. We'll have to talk about it. I'll answer that question really briefly and simply, Spike. As much as it takes to defend innocent human lives against the onslaught of a thug dictator like Vladimir Putin. Thank you very much. Have a lovely evening. Well put, my friend. And I would have taken a lot longer to say exactly the same thing because I agree wholeheartedly with that. That being said, we're not going to do it tonight. I apologize ahead of time. And I'm really not going to talk about the the assailant, the attempted kidnapper of the young girl working at a local barista stand. He is out on bail tonight. He posted bail. That's America. That's what we get to do. That's his right. That's his right. Protection against um, unjust, you know, illegal holdings. And I'm not if there's a word. I'm looking, I think it's the Fourth Amendment, right? Cruel and unusual punishment. That's why people get bail if they're in jail there's until they're an found guilty. Passed the second one. Who? Yeah, knew? I know. Who there's knew? bunches of them. I think it's the fourth. I think it's uh, yeah, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. So the guy made bail. The guy who tried to grab the barista out of the bikini stand, and I, I had noticed it today, and I mentioned it to Lisa Brooks. She's like, "Yeah, it's what we got to do. It's what you got to do until he's found guilty. It's what you got to do." Fifty thousand dollars bail was posted on a five hundred thousand dollar, a fifty thousand dollar bond was posted on a half million dollar bail. For the guy who reached through the window and tried to zip tie around the wrist, the wrist of a bikini barista and kidnap her. And he's got to wear an ankle bracelet, I believe, are the terms of his release on bail. If I remember some elements of the story correctly, the guy's living with his mom, which is, and that's no thing. I shouldn't may say that. That's, that was pejorative, and I shouldn't even say that. A lot of folks are living with their folks these days. I understand that. But where does a guy like that get half of you know, 50 grand in bail money? And he's, if I remember the story correctly, he's not allowed to go near. Is it just this particular bikini barista again? 
if he's out on bail? I think it's broader than that. Is it that, all bikini baristas yeah. in the area? Is yeah. there a, a three, four t- county area? Is it statewide? I mean, I mean, this kind of guy, man. The father of daughters. You worry about guys like this. And yeah, I know we all have the rights to not be held in jail until we're found guilty. And there's a fair amount of time. And a judge decides how much it is and how long and the whole nine yards. There's a system in place. But guys like these just, oh. Don't you think when there's, especially when there's video evidence, if there's evidence where you're caught on camera doing something, it should be a faster process. I'm just saying. Uh, Texter says, the um, is this the 11th Amendment deals with excessive bail? Thank you so much. There, I knew there was a law that says this guy couldn't be held. But of course, I don't know how bail works. I, it was my misspeaking. Thanks so much for the help. Rob. From Puyallup, thanks so much. I think you have no sa- personal experience yeah. having I'm not saying if it's bail. 8th or 11th, because your typo was a little bit there, Rob, but you know more than I do, so I'm not complaining. I appreciate the backup. Yeah, I just, you know, this is the kind of guy you don't want going to parks, high school volleyball games, swim meets, whatever. This, you know, this until this guy is found guilty of what he obviously did. Anyway, it's Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill with Matt Butler. We'll be right back.